and welcome to the first episode of Habibi Collective's podcast, an educational resource and insider guide to the film industry. This will be a short introductory episode where I introduce you to the podcast and the motivations behind it. Uh, my name is Roisin Tabouni. I run Habibi Collective and have been for almost four years now. It uh, began as a research-led project for my archival work and operates as an open access resource and intervention for filmmaking and moving image by women and non-binary folk from Southwest Asia and North Africa. The podcast will also be hosted by my two phenomenal research assistants, uh, Noor Helu and Bella Barkett. They are assisting me on programming Shasha right now, um, an extremely exciting new independent streaming service for Swana Cinema that I'm launching in February. Uh, Bella is currently a comparative literature student at UCLA. She runs the US portion of the fundraiser Solidarity at her university and is currently working on bringing a global migration film festival to her campus early next year. Previously, she had done work with the Syrian stonemasonry uh, project in Mafraq, Jordan, under the World Monuments Fund, and continues to work with them in various projects pertaining to preserving historical architectural artifacts. <laughs> uh, Noor is a recent graduate from the American University of Beirut with a degree in art history. She's currently working on a research project which uh, explores the notions of gender, race and class through the Arab region's various visual archives, uh, primarily with photographs from the Arab Image Foundation uh, in Lebanon. The research will amount to uh, exhibitions and publications. A few episodes of the podcast will also be hosted by my friend and uh, curator Lizzie Vartarin Collier, founder of our, of the art platform Gallery Girl, and assets have been very kindly designed by graphic designer Melly Burney. In her, uh, she's in her final year studying at the Royal College of Art in London. So the team behind the podcast is a very much a decentralized concomitant group of friends who uh, will be con in conversation with, uh, with other friends and uh, industry workers in my network. Uh, the podcast is obviously available to listen to for free. However, if you have the means, I would deeply appreciate it if you consider donating to Habibi Collective via our Patreon on our website. Uh, Habibi Collective operates completely on a volunteer-led basis, meaning no one gets paid unless we collaborate with an institution. Uh, this is not a sustainable model. Uh, but it's also vital that we do stay independent. Uh, costs are endless, <laughs> including screening fees for filmmakers, podcast speaker costs, MGs, design asset costs, not to mention the innumerable costs involved in developing a streaming service from scratch. So if you have enjoyed Habibi Collective in any capacity over the past four years, please consider donating. Your contribution does go a very long way. Okay, uh, down to business. <laughs> uh, so it goes without saying that the film industry has been institutionalized in a way that is extremely inaccessible to young people, particularly those from the Swana region. This is nothing new. Uh, you only have to look at the representation of people like us in Hollywood cinema, which is largely built on stereotypes uh, around the vilification and post 9-11 terror as approached by um, by Jackie, Jackie Saloum in her wonderful film Real Bad Arabs, which I screened recently at the Arab Festival in Washington. 
However, if we were to criticize and rally against the racism and the inaccessibility of the film industry, we would we would really use up all our energy because, uh, frankly, we would be here all day, every day. Uh, that's why instead of Habibi Collective being a platform that calls out or cancels uh, racist TV shows and films, I feel like my energy is better spent uh, on focusing to carve an independent space that celebrates and platforms our filmmakers are uh, who, who are getting it right. So it, it's it's with this uh, community-led approach towards carving independent spaces that I believe is most effective in dismantling and disseminating institutional frameworks. Uh, also, just like a large part of this is supporting one another, Al although it uh, <laughs> it may not feel like it sometimes. Uh, outside running Habibi Collective, I do very much have a profession and a life, <laughs> but I, uh, I I do my best uh, to support those who reach out to me and want to get their foot in the door through platforming people's work, linking them with other industry professionals, sharing funding opportunities, answering questions, jumping on Zoom calls, etc., etc. Uh, obviously, there's only um, so much I can do and so much time I have, but I, I really think a large part of gatekeeping in the industry is due to people in the industry not making the time to support others who want to follow in their footsteps, as it were. Uh, it's especially being so marginal in the in the independent film industry. You know, it's vital that we support each other as a community, and hopefully, if we operate with this uh, accessible uh, approach, younger generations will not find it so difficult to get their foot in the door. Uh, there, there is really a large ecosystem of, of collaboratively led grassroots uh, visual art platforms from the region who, who do take a similar approach. Uh, curatorial interventions such as IOTA WIP, publishing based in initiatives such as Kefata and Barakunan, and, and identity focused projects such as Lift of Volumes, Black Arabs Collective, and Code Switch. Uh, I would also really like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has agreed to be in conversation over the next 12 months of the podcast, uh, lending their expertise, influence and knowledge in their field. Our full programme uh, can be viewed on our website, habibicollective.com. Uh, so, yeah, the people you'll be hearing from over the next few months come from extremely diverse backgrounds in the industry some which um, may be unfamiliar to, to you. Uh, we have actors, producers, scriptwriters, DOPs, editors, um, but also those working more behind the scenes like, uh, like myself or such as those who deal with soundtrack royalties, run cinemas, uh, pr um, production companies, online film platforms and film festivals. Uh, none of my family even <laughs> work remotely in the arts, but uh, well, while while I am in uh, and while I am in academia, I, I never had a formal art or or film education. Uh, I never even knew the career that I have now existed <laughs> until I had it, and a lot of people working behind the scenes in the film industry from similar backgrounds also say the same thing. So if anything, I hope uh, this podcast series will just show you what's out there uh, in terms of industry work. So over the course of the year, uh, you'll hear from a range of people, um, but I'm only really qualified to talk about my own work, which I will uh, briefly do now. 
So I, I, I do a lot of things, but I, I primarily work as a curator, film programmer, researcher, archivist and writer. Um, I, I run Habibi Collective and have curated six regional film festivals, including an independent Iraqi film festival and queer Mena film festival. I've curated screenings at institutions such as Sharjah Art Foundation and also many independent and grassroots spaces worldwide. Uh, I, I study and I also lecture uh, previously at Oxford University, Duke University and UC Berkeley. I'm currently developing the independent streaming service, Shasha, and I have also worked as a journalist for seven years and um, contributing to publications such as The Guardian, Vogue and ID. And I'm currently a contributor at Freeze magazine. I'm also um, founder and editor of Artwork magazine, a critical art magazine for cultural workers who, uh, who operate on the margins. <laughs> uh, so my work in uh, in the film industry is is concerned with um, film curation and programming so basically dealing with the politics of how films get seen there is really a very large misconception that the most accoladed films or popular films on the independent circuit are the best but it's uh, it's largely to do with the material conditions such as distribution circulation and exposure which of course uh, largely works in the favor of white european men there's nothing natural about film programming. Uh, for example, you know, if there is a balanced representation of genders or something, you know, on a, on a festival program, that's usually not because submissions were equal, but because the programmer worked extra hard to source and procure films that worked against the hegemonic order. I often hear people saying that uh, that we need more women filmmakers. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I think we have enough women filmmakers. You know, what we need is an industry that recognizes the work of women filmmakers and goes the extra mile to support these filmmakers beyond representational purposes in way of financial support, networking opportunities, exposure and circulation. So my area of speciality lies in uh, moving image and essay film. As a result, I, uh, I operate in art institutions more than in cinemas, uh, especially in the, you know, in, in the earlier days of, of various national industries in our region, women were marginalized to documentary and experimental filmmaking. Uh, we have long dominated that sector. Uh, when you think of early women filmmakers such as Selma Bakar, Haimi Sror, Essia Jabbar, they, they, they're really thought of as, as uh, filmmakers, but visual artists, poets, essayists. Um, interestingly, uh, women dominated documentary, essay film and moving image largely due to systemic social inequalities. The inequalities between men and women in society were directly reflected in the, in, in the film industry. Uh, and men had and, and still have to a degree more opportunities regarding funding, etc, etc. So um, they have the team and the budget to make the narrative feature lengths, um, the more commercial sector in the film industry that, you know, the women are starting to tap into. And a large part of this change has been due to innovation by women such as Anne-Marie Jasser, who, who set up her own production company whilst also operating as a filmmaker. Uh, earlier women's or <laughs> earlier women, earlier films by women, um, uh, including more contemporary essay, moving image and video work, circulated and continue to circulate in the art network rather than the film circuits. Um, there is an interesting parallel, I think, to draw here with uh, with how a lot of what we consider films in the region and and what we watch as films were not even meant to be films, uh, especially the more video-based or immediately political work. 
this is something that I'm currently uh, interested now in, ter- in terms of my research, but there's also an excellent new book called uh, The People Are Not an Image, Vernacular Video After the Arab Spring, which, which gives a good introduction to this, uh, this area. So, yeah, when we're talking about women's cinema in the region, we're, we're definitely also thinking in terms of the art industry, um, which structurally bears many similarities to the film industry, especially in, in terms of access and or rather inaccessibility. Um, from experience, I found that white neoliberal institutions or blue chip galleries often folk, often work for politics of representation over a politics of production. By this, I mean they are willing to performatively show a um, black artist, for example, without supporting that artist beyond showing their work through time, fair payment, etc., or reflecting this diversity in their staff and their boards. Gemma Desai wrote an incredible, incredible text about this, which is available on Google Docs called The Work Isn't This Work Isn't For Us, which I recommend you check out. Um, so as many of you know, and uh, like to remind me, <laughs> a lot of uh, the films I share on Habibi Collective are not available to watch online. Uh, my, my research started over a decade ago by reading films. And by that, I mean, I don't have, I didn't, sorry, I didn't have the distribution, etc. links that I have now as a programmer to obtain screeners. So I would watch a film by reading about it, uh, since it was not available to watch online. Uh, my academic background is in comparative literature, uh, so the role of text in film is something that fascinate, fascinates me to no end. <laughs> Clear links can be drawn here with the heavy text-based element of, of independent cinema, not to mention essay film and the heavy theorization of the haptic or um, epistolary narratives. Uh, I, I recently gave a talk for Publishing House Barakunan on, on epistolary narratives in Arab women's essay film. I, I don't know if it's, if it's archived anywhere, but... Um, so when I say on posts, uh, the films are not available to watch online, you know, I really mean that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hiding anything. Uh, so that's how my career as a programmer started. So I could bring these films to people to watch. Uh, people were asking, where can I watch this? So I started reaching out to distributors, building links with production companies and, le- and learning about the muddy terrain of film rights and sales. Um, I must have screened over maybe uh, 200 films by women in the region now, most of which are, are not available to watch anywhere else. But with the development of the independent uh, streaming service for our cinema that I'm working on, hopefully I will create a permanent site for these films. Uh, this also very much shares an archival purpose. Um, I will not go into archival studies now, but I talked at length about my archival practice recently for Northwestern University, which I believe is available on their YouTube. Uh, two of my biggest inspirations in the international film industry, uh, P.K. Nair from India and Henry Langlois from France, they were archivists. And I, I work with many film archival centres in the West. There is definitely less of a film archiving culture in in the in the in the Swana region, which I talk about in in the Northwestern lecture. Although work was uh, was definitely started by especially Ahmed Amin uh, and in his now discontinued Arab Cinema Archive, and, and of course there are smaller uh, digitization projects happening in Cinematheques, uh, particularly in Egypt, and many archival enterprises in photography, um, such as the wonderful Arab Image Foundation in Beirut. Um, so, yeah, in a, in a nutshell, um, that's what I do. 
um, a very, a very unglamorous part of the film industry that largely uh, makes you want to bang your head on a brick wall, but a, but a very rewarding one. Uh, so I'll round off the first episode there. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, thank you very much for listening. And um, please visit our website and donate towards this work. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the series. Um, bye bye.